0: Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And few are they who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name done many wonderful works, then i will declare to them i never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness let's pray father your words are perfect but our ability to receive them is imperfect we rest in the promise of your spirit who dwells in us and among us that you would indeed open our ears and open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O oh Lord our rock and our Redeemer amen. amen what makes one trail better than another if you've ever done much walking or much hiking you know you go to a place you see all the, you know, all the little color-coded trails up there and you think, oh, this one looks pleasant. Then, of course, you look and say, oh, actually, there's a bunch of rocks there. Don't, wa- don't want that one. This one looks good. And finally, you settle on one, especially if you have many small kids, and say, this one looks short and it looks pretty good. So, so you take that one. And we, we monitor, we decide what route to take usually based on how long it is and how easy it looks. Well, we walk and we hike for leisure. If you really want to go somewhere, you get in the car. We're different from ancient people, most of whom walked for transportation. But even for those in ancient times, they would make a choice based on, you know, you had several opportunities, several paths which you could take. And maybe you would take the the path sometimes that looked the best or maybe one that didn't have quite a steep an incline or maybe one that has more resting spots. But actually, the most important criteria must be the same for everyone if you're walking to get to a destination. And that is, where does this path lead? It doesn't matter how nice the path looks if it's going to just circle back around to where you were or even take you further away than where you were. Previously, we heard that Jesus calls us to judge or discern Wisely, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 12. But we're not called to discernment merely to be smarter or to know how everyone else is wrong. That's a nice benefit, we think, from discernment. You've probably seen different, different groups that are called discernment ministries, whose spiritual gift is telling you how everybody else is wrong. Well, there is, there is a place for helping us judge, but Jesus actually gives us that very thing here in a little bit. But the wisdom we need, the, the discernment we're, we're told to cultivate is specifically for the purpose of remaining on the path of life. That's it. We're called to a particular path, and we must remain on that path. And Jesus in this passage mentions one specific temptation that diverts us from the good path, false prophets. But then he also gives a clear test on how to avoid those who would entice us and that has to do with fruit. So if you will allow me, I'm going to revert back a little bit to some of my my, my Southern Baptist days. That's where I really learned to preach. So I'm going to give some, a little bit of, well, a mnemonic device. But let's just keep it between us, okay? Jesus here gives us. I feel like I'm in Rogers preaching in Memphis, Tennessee years ago, if you know who that is. But Jesus gives us a right direction. Then He tells us of the wrong diversion. And He gives us finally a clear distinction. First of all, He tells us the right direction. That is the narrow path that leads to life. The narrow path that leads to life. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus declares that there are two gates or two paths. Now, Jesus didn't just come up with this off the top of his head. Like, you know, what can I give? Uh, is, this is, yeah, I'll settle on this one. No, he's going back and using something taught a long time ago in Psalm 1. Gage preached a sermon several weeks back on Psalm 1. And the idea of two paths, the path of wisdom and the path of foolishness is found there. It's also found multiple places in the book of Proverbs. The first path is what Jesus calls the the broad path. It looks good. It looks smooth. It looks free of trouble. It makes a lot of sense for me to travel this one. It fits with what I already want to do. Have you ever made a decision based on just what you already wanted to do? Have you ever, let me ask this. Have you ever asked your spouse's advice on something, but really you were just hoping they're going to agree with what you already had in mind anyway? Maybe not. I guess that was just me last week. But still, that's all right. It happens. Maybe it's not. Anyone, we, we do this. We get it in our mind what we want to do and we want other people to, con, to confirm what we're already going to do anyway. And then if they don't, what happens? They just don't have as much wisdom as I do and I'll pray for them. Well, even more though, the path that we often want to go the path that we want to travel. And by the way, it's not just one single path. There is one path that leads to God, that leads to to eternal perfect wisdom, but there are multiple paths in the wrong direction. We think sometimes that the the broad path is, is just one that's lined with all kinds of evil enticements and... Donuts and a sign that says heaven. Excuse me. Sorry. Messed that up. Sign that says hell. So so we think it's just really clear. It's everything that's bad. And it says hell. And it's got little demons in black fluttering. Saying, come, destroy yourself. And then the other path, is one that has quaint churches and harp music and a sign that says heaven and looks really boring and that's the one we're supposed to take that's how it's often presented that's how culture gives this you've all seen and whether cartoons or shows you you, you have on you know, one shoulder you have the, the little high-pitched angelic person and then the other you have the demon in leather jacket That's not how He works. That's not how the enemy works. He doesn't present you with a clear choice of evil that you say, yes, this is going to kill me if I do this. It's tempting. And then on top of that, it's hard to find people who have chosen that difficult path and can give wise counsel. Jesus says there are few that find it now, now this jesus is not giving here some broad description of how many of god's people and of the people of the world will be on the last day that's not the point in this the point is when you're walking you often find it easier to fall among those who will lead you in the wrong path than you will to find people who incur, who will encourage you in the right path paul said this is the church at Corinth. bad Company corrupts good manners or good lifestyle. So sometimes it's not that we don't know the right way. Sometimes we do know what the right way is, but we know this is really hard. I just don't want to do it. It's Im- Have you ever thought, I know I probably should do this, but it feels impossible. I can't. I know it's what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't. Therefore, I won't. So in order to keep yourself on that path, you must remember, to stay on the right path, you must remember where does this path lead? Because one, Jesus says, leads to life. And the other leads to destruction. So then what do we do? to sharpen our senses. How do we know? And this is whether you are young or old. No matter what your age is, there are wrong paths you can still take. If you are 95 years old, you can still choose to walk down the wrong path. And if you are five years old, you can choose to walk the right path. So how do we sharpen our our senses to distinguish these two paths? How do we find the the right direction? Briefly, three things. First of all, we are called to receive God's Word. Psalm 1, verse 3. After he contrasted in Psalm 1, the one who who walks in the foolish path, he said, "But, but, but for the other man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. So that, that one who walks in the right path is one who's receiving God's Word. But also, it means another way that we sharpen our senses to distinguish the two paths or we, we cultivate a love for what is good. We're called to cultivate a love for what is good. We don't always go for what is good. Paul says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, Whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. If you put the good before you, if you receive the good, then you, it'll help you to distinguish what's bad, what's wrong. And then thirdly, listen to wise counsel proverbs 12 15 the way of a fool is right in his own eyes but he who hearkens to to counsel is wise or proverbs eleven fourteen: 14 where no counsel is the people fall but in the multitude of counselors there is safety so that is the right direction jesus gives us the right direction which is the narrow path that leads to life but but then we see also a wrong diversion that wrong diversion are the false prophets who lure us to death. Verse 15, Jesus says, Beware. Look out. Pay attention. So in contrast with the wisdom we should receive from those who walk in the good paths, it's easier to listen to the numerous false prophets. Now, thankfully, Larson actually stole most of my notes already, apparently, from this, even though I didn't know it. But... He did so I'm thankful for that he's, he's already covered some of this but as Paul once said brethren even though you've already heard this before this is a Matthew Carpenter translation even though you've already heard this before it's still profitable for you so let, let's consider this the word a prophet now when I was young I can remember the false prophets we were warned about were those really bad dudes on television who get up there in nice suits and who preach and say, Will you please just send a simple gift of $500 and I'll give you this tiny little New Testament Bible. Maybe personally autographed by me or something like that. Those were the false prophets. It was was often TV preachers. And look, that, that can be a problem. But... For us today, my guess is many of you were not lured to stay at home because of a local pastor on network television. A prophet is anyone who communicates a message to a group of people. The word to, to, to prophesy means to speak. So if you communicate a message to a group, that is a you are acting as a prophet. And prophets usually have notoriety, influence, and often a little bit of charisma. Those people who don't have a lot of personality, who say, do this because I said, they don't get many likes on YouTube, except from their mom. Those are not the people you have to worry about. It's the ones who draw you in. There was a time when the influence of false prophets was limited because either one wrote a book or one spoke locally. But then as we have more and more opportunity, as technology has increased, eventually people were able to get their messages on the radio and then television and now the Internet. And so anyone today with a computer can say or sing anything he or she wants. And this is a place where we should be careful because false prophets they are not only people who speak. They're also people who sing. They're artists. And in fact, music is a way to usually get around our defenses. What someone would say to us point blank and we would reject it outright, they can sing to us in a way that draws us in. Even the pagan philosopher Plato said, "You've got to watch what your youth listen to because it will take them to the opposite of all virtue." That's pagan. So false prophets, again, that they can be musicians, podcasters, YouTubers, writers, pastors or anyone else who has influence. Now, Jesus gives us a couple of characteristics of false prophets. First of all, they look innocent. As Jesus says, they come in sheep's clothing. Again, they don't come and say, Hello, I'm a false prophet. I'd like your money, and then I'll show you the way to damnation. Please follow me. Boy, that would be easy. But they don't do that. They don't wear Let's Worship the Devil t-shirts. They make sense. They make sense. They appeal to what to a little bit of what we know is right. And we think, hmm, well, maybe. And then we listen a little more. And then they, they bring in more facts mixed with a few problems. And we say, well, it's still, you know, it's still more sugar than sand so i've got really good discernment power here but it keeps on going and eventually we, we've lost the way they may be in trusted positions of power they even sometimes have a religious guise they say i am a christian but they, they often say things that you like or that reinforce what you already think paul called this those who tickle the ears of their audience. They look like sheep. And the most dangerous are those who wear the mantle of faith. So they, first of all, they look innocent, but the, secondly, false prophets devour. They use their audience to build their wealth, their fame, their influence and control. and often they don't know that they are wolves self-awareness is not the first priority for false prophets they think they're doing right they think they're telling you the right thing and often you can feel the sincerity coming from them you know they really believe what they're saying and of course we often will believe someone who is sincere So it's really easy. You're looking at someone who has at times been lured by false prophets, okay? I'm telling you, I have been tempted and even began the walk in times past here. At any time, any of us are capable of falling prey to wolves. I don't have time to announce every potential wolf in society. But for everyone that you listen to, whatever the media form, whatever whatever way they manage to get the message across, whether word or song, you are called to discern not only the message that they present, but also whether or not you give yourself to them. And by give yourself to them, I mean, how much do you, do you innately trust this person? We like to think, I'm, I'm, I'm wary. I'm good. But we're actually still listening more and more or reading more and more. So then how do you know? if they are destructive well here to help us with this wrong diversion jesus gives us a clear distinction and that is good and bad fruit wolves may cover themselves in sheepskin but thorn bushes can't yield grapes this is good Jesus says we must practice discernment by looking at their fruit. So this morning, there are three ways for us to discern a good tree from a corrupt one. Number one. So if you, I'm not telling you, you should take notes, but if you are, this would be a really good place to do that. Number one, we can discern through their teaching. The teaching that we we hear from someone is like the seed that they plant. Now, some seeds are easy to distinguish. So if you ever held up watermelon seeds and corn seed, you know what those look like. Really simple. But some seeds are not so easy to distinguish. John said in 1 John, Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, to not believe everything we hear. He said, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. And John specifically says, Test it by asking this Does this teaching conform to the person of Jesus Christ? Does it match what he says? Or is it contrary? what he says so that's the first what we distinguish by their teaching but I mean that's easy and we're you you probably already know that but the second way that we discern a good tree from a corrupt one is through the life of the speaker the way we determine for you we see fruit by their lives what kind of fr- Life does this person live? Does his life or does her life demonstrate righteousness? If someone says good things but then lives in a way that's contrary to God's Word, somewhere, no matter what they're saying, somewhere they're planting more thorns than they are grapes. You just may not see it. But in all the seed that comes out, and the stuff that they say, that they speak with their mouth, there's more bad seed coming. And Jesus doesn't say you must be able to separate every grain of wheat from every husk of chaff. No. can't do that. But you look at their lives. But then the third way that we distinguish good fruit from bad. When it comes to those trying to determine whether or not one is a false prophet, we should consider the fruit that you produce under their influence. Consider the fruit you produce under their influence. Are you more like Jesus because you listen to fill in the blank? Does this person cause you to demonstrate? You remember what the fruit of the Spirit is. Paul says it. Do you demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control because you're listening to this person or these people? Now at this point, my guess is this. You're probably tempted to lie to yourself. You say, but he's really good, or she's really good. And I got some of these problems anyway. Or I actually, I mean, you don't know how good this... I mean, it helps me be more joyful in life. Actually, it's just helping you feel better about, because it's confirming what you already think. And, and, and it gives you the ability to just persist in that. But actually, that's not fruit. That's like candy-coated poison. And it will have the same effect. The seed they plant in you will bear fruit in your own life. Do the things you read or listen to make you more gracious to your spouse? Or do they make you more impatient? This is for men and women both. Young men, do the influencers and artists you listen to help you to love single ladies as your sisters in Christ? Or does it make it easier for you to look at them as possible conquests? Ladies, young ladies, do the musicians you listen to influence you to be more like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who said, whatever you will, God, so, it, so may it be done. Does it influence you to be more like her, submitted to God's will, or to be more like Delilah, who used her feminine charm to manipulate in order to get what she wanted? Men and women. Do the podcast you listen to motivate you to look at those outside God's kingdom with compassion or despise them? None of us are exempt. You could multiply these tests on your own. For every person, for each of us, there are false prophets who will say what you want to hear, who will lure you and who can poison you to becoming a false prophet yourself. And it's a fine line. Because if you, all of you, especially if you're an adult, you have influence over people. And whether you like it or not, and the influence that you exert over others, you're either using it, you're either pointing them in a direction that will help them become more like Christ, or you're feeding them people, even if you don't say the bad message yourself, you're feeding them to people who will take them down a destructive path. That's a responsibility we cannot avoid. We can become ourselves false prophets if we listen long enough to false prophets. So we must evaluate the path we are walking and what seed we are receiving because the seed you receive will determine the fruit you bear and the fruit you bear will be how you are judged jesus says in this passage now we'll look more next time at verses 21 and following but we went ahead and read it this morning because if you think about what's going to happen on the last day it can be somewhat unnerving because there will be people who will say, Lord, I've got a list of all the things I've done for you. But Jesus will say to them, and this is especially, again, this is referring to those who are Notably, false prophets. Jason mentioned this last week in his sermon on Judas. Jesus will say, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You're practicing lawlessness. So it's not a matter of I do enough good things to get some notoriety and people see that I do good things. It's what fruit? Are you bearing? And all of this, if you step back from it, it all goes back to what Jesus said at the beginning, at the first few verses. It's all about the path you're walking. Satan will contour a bad path based on whatever appeals to you the most. And we are lured onto that path by those who flatter us. But those, I can promise you, those who would flatter you are not speaking because they love you. They're speaking because they want your attention, your likes, your subscription, and your money. Now some would say, well, I I guess this means I've just got to stop listening to any podcast except TRCs and only listen to Christian hymns. Okay. Well, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Do not take that as the application from the sermon. Now, I can think of worse things to listen to than hymns, but that's not the point. The point is we're called to maturity, and we don't, but we don't come to maturity by ourselves. If you read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, you will see this. Bunyan's main character christian he is on his way to the celestial city and he has bad person after bad person false prophet after false prophet who comes and sometimes he goes astray but he does not return on his own he is walking with others there's always someone to help and for us we need others I don't care how intelligent and wise you are, you can't do this alone. We need the blessings of the church. As Larson said earlier, he has given you elders. And if you want to talk to me about how I'm fallible, you'll get heated agreement. Heated agreement. I'll say amen to the third power. See, some are already going with me now. That's not even my family. We sin. You know it. And God somehow, because He's just that gracious, has seen fit to still use people who are over us, who have been called to love us and watch us and care for us and encourage us. He's still seen fit to use fallible humans instead of angels to come and to watch over our souls. Now you may think, boy, I kind of wish He would have used angels. But that helps us actually too. It's to help our humility that He puts other people in our lives to knock us around sometimes. It's because He loves us that He gives you a spouse that doesn't agree with everything you ever say. It's because He loves you kids that He gives you parents who will sometimes look at you and say, that's stupid, don't ever do that again. Maybe you don't use that word yet, I don't know. It's because He loves you. And he's put people in your life who love you. And because he's put people in your life, you are called to walk with them. Don't try to walk this path alone. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, forego the way that you desire. The way that makes sense to you. And look to Jesus. And obey Him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for the good words of the Gospel of our Savior. And cause us to walk with You in the path that You have given. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more, check out our website at Trinity That's Trinity Reformed K-I-R-K.com.